Welcome to the Family Feast podcast from Liberty Church Swansea. For more information on church life, please check out Liberty Church Swansea on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website. We love you, and we pray that this message really blesses you. Thank you. Who's ready for the Word of God today? I'm excited about the Word of God. Are you excited? Now, honestly, honestly, in the way here, did you think, I can't wait for the Word of God? How many people were like that? You know, that's what we need, that hunger. God, what are you going to say today? God, what are you going to do today? Lord, what are you going to... Sp- I've been so excited this week because there we introduced me to a song uh, a couple of months ago, and it's called Jesus Paid It All. Who's heard that song? We're going to play it at the end. Don't worry if you haven't heard it. All to Him I owe. And you know, this phrase has been on my heart the whole week. Jesus paid it all. Well, thank you, Debbie, for that. Amen. Jesus paid it all. When we came back from the Philippines, we spent 12 years there. We were pretty exhausted. We were tired. We'd just been had, had 13 or 14 farewell services. We said goodbye to all our family there in the Philippines. And we were kind of, oh, man, oh, man. And this couple from, from Scotland said to us, God spoken into our hearts. We are going to bless you guys, you four, Richie family. We're going to take you on a cruise. And we don't want you to pay anything. We've paid it all. Give me your passport details. Give me my passport details. Wow. You know, all expenses paid in Holland, America, one of the best cruise ships. We went around the Mediterranean for, for, for 10 days, I think it was. And they didn't want us to pay for anything. They paid for our flights over there. They paid for our taxes. They paid for everything on the cruise, even our excursions. They paid for everything. And they said, we don't want you to pay anything. We want to bless you and to thank you because we'd been helping them as a family. And he said, we, we just want to bless you and thank you for what you've done for us as a family. And we went there, eh, Mary? All expenses paid. Two years later, the guy, the friend of mine, David, who's going to be 50 years old, and they said to him, what would you like for your 50th birthday? I want to take Mark and Mary and family for another cruise, this time to America, to New York, and then a Caribbean cruise. And they phoned us up. He said, would you like to go on a Caribbean cruise for us? And I said, give me a second and think about it. Yes! <laughs> and we went to America. We stayed in, 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 in what do you call it? Right there in the, in the Times Square. And then we went down the Caribbean. And they didn't want us to pay anything. And you thought, wow. They paid it all. They paid everything. And you know, I was just thinking about the whole thing. Just thanking the Lord for that. But I was thinking something even better. For our hope. For our future. For our lives. For our peace. For our families. Jesus paid it all. For our sins. For our sorrows. For our sicknesses. I'm giving my message away here. For everything. Jesus paid it all. I'm going to show you a picture here. Who loves these? Who loves it when they get one of these? By the way, happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday, Dav. Happy birthday. And Tara, it was your birthday too. Happy birthday. Anybody else got their birthday this week? Happy birthday. It's a good week. Good people. But when you receive one of these, isn't it amazing? And you, you, you open up the package as an Amazon voucher for 25 pounds. Somebody has paid for that voucher and they've sent it to you. And you know I can buy something great with this 25 pounds. Now what would happen if I went up to this shop and I took 20 of these things down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One for Emma, one for Dave, one for Dav, one for Mark Yeomans. But I didn't pay anything. I just went out of the shop with all these like 
cards, and I sent it to you in your card, and you thought, wow, Mark's so generous, he's giving me a £20 next voucher. And so you go to next, and you, you pick your tie, your dewey, or whatever, you know, pick your suit, or whatever, oh yeah, and you go to pay, and they, they scan it. I'm sorry, it isn't worth anything. Yeah, yeah, but it's a voucher. Yeah, but nobody's paid. Yeah, but it's a voucher, it's a next voucher for £25. Yeah, but nobody's paid the price for that voucher. See, that voucher is only valid if somebody pays for it. Even though it looks good, it looks like a voucher, it looks great, that voucher alone is worth nothing unless somebody pays for it. And it's the same with us. You know, somebody has to pay for our sins. Somebody has to pay for our lives. And Jesus paid it all. Right, Dav, it's been your birthday this week, isn't it? I've got a picture of Dav on his birthday. Look at that. That's a Joe's ice cream. Look at that. That's the biggest cone I've ever seen in my life. And his wife, Lindsay, look at the size of her normal size cone. Her normal size cone is big. But Dav, that's like a, that's like a whole solar system cone. That's absolutely huge. So I just thought, Dav, I'm going to get you a Joe's. How many people here are Joe's ice cream? How many are Verdi's? Joe's? Verdi's? Josiah's the only Verdi's person here. Oh, and Dave, and Dave. Right, um, Eleni, I've got something here. Now, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Any ushers here? or Just throw it. Okay, this is a, a voucher. Now, do you think that I would be nice and buy him a voucher for Joe's ice cream? <laughs> Has he been good? No? Man, this is not going well. <laughs> Dav, Dav, even though you're not being good, even though I'm, I'm going to give you this voucher. Do you believe it's a voucher from Joe's? Do you believe it's a real voucher? Okay, right, Rachel, can you, he can open that up. Right, now I can guarantee that is a £10 voucher from Joe's. Do you know why? Because I paid it. I've got the receipt here. I'll give you the receipt as well if you want. I'll just leave it there. Now, he can go to Joe's Ice Cream and buy one of them, or maybe half of them, I don't know. He can buy one of them and present that voucher and say, Mark Ritchie has paid that voucher. He's got the receipt, so I want to buy my ice cream. And because I bought that, because I've got the receipt, he'll be given a huge monster, Joe's Ice Cream. You see, somebody needs to pay the price so somebody else can redeem it. Somebody else has paid the price. And, and, and this is the most amazing thing. And this is the most wonderful thing. That, that, that the receipt. What is the, what is the, what is the evidence that Jesus has paid the price? What is the evidence that Jesus has paid it all for, for us? You know what the evidence is? The empty tomb. That's the evidence. If Jesus had sinned once, if he'd done one thing once, one wrong thing once, he would have stayed in that grave. But because he had no sin, because he conquered sin, death, and hell, he paid the price on the cross for you and me. And he, and we can be redeemed because he has paid the price. And the evidence is the empty tomb. And because of Jesus dying and rising again, it says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes, yes, yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. 
Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Amen. He put the spirit of God in our heart, and that guarantees He's paid the price. He's paid it all for you and for me to have this amazing relationship with God. He paid it all. Debbie, you're going to enjoy this message, I'm telling you. I'm going to do nine points in about 20 minutes. You believe that? I don't know why it's nine. I don't know why I go for ten. But anyway, it's going to be nine. What has Jesus paid for? You know, I just pray that when you leave this church this afternoon, you go... Walking and leaping and praising God because he's done so much for us. Number one, he has paid our debt of sin. Each one of us is born into sin. The Bible says that each one of us, you know, each one of us has has gone our own way. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We had a debt we could not pay. We cannot make our own way into heaven. We cannot pay for our sins. There's no way and nothing we can do, no matter how much we give to the poor, no matter how much we give away, no matter what we do in our lives, we cannot enter heaven. We cannot have our sins forgiven except through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took your sins. He took your sins and your sorrows and he took them. And when Jesus died on the cross, he brought you and me and God together again. And when he said, it is finished, it is finished. We can now enter into the holy place. We can now go say, God, Abba, Father, my Father, my Dad, you've paid my sin. You've paid the cost for me to have my sins forgiven. Amen. Bible says this, even when Jesus was born, what did it say? You will call his name Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. And how beautiful, right before he was even born, Jesus rose. He paid the debt. We can be forgiven. We can have our slate completely set free. We can have a brand new life, a brand new walk with God. The Bible says this, that when he forgives us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will, and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nobody else, nothing else, no tablet, no doctor, no program, no DVD, nothing on the media, nothing can cleanse you from your sin except Jesus Christ. And he's taken our sins. And the Bible says, though our sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as we removed our sins from us. You see, every one of us sin. Anybody here not sinned? Jump here. Oh, that's right. <laughs> every one of us sin. What do we do with our sin? We can only go to the cross and say, Jesus, you paid for this sin. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I heard a story once about this, this Indian chief. And in this, in this tribe that he was in, he was a very righteous man. And he was very, very, he, you know, he was very strict with his tribe. And they were, they were people that really went by the book. And they found out that somebody was stealing things. 
And so who was stealing things? And they tried to set traps. They couldn't find out who was stealing things, especially, you know, uh, from the elders. And then one day, uh, the, 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 the elders came and said, we found out who's been stealing all this stuff. It's your mother. It's your mom. My mom? Yeah. It's your mom. She's the one because the chief had said, whoever is found stealing, whoever it is that's stealing this thing, will be whipped 40 times at the stake. And they came and said, it's your mom. And they said, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Let's forget about it. He said, no, we can't forget about it. I've already set the standard. I've already said what's going to happen. But it's your mom. She's old. She's frail. She doesn't know why she did it. You know, it's your mom. No, let's forget about it. No, I can't forget about it. I've already said that whoever it was will have to, have to be whipped 40 times. And so the day came and they took her, her, his mom and they put her out, out the front there. There's a big stake there. And they tied her to the stake. And she's looking at her son thinking, please, please, please let me free let me free and he just stood there he stood there and then he said to the to the guy with the whip okay start and then just before the guy was going to whip he stood up and said so wait and he went over and he put his jacket over his mom and he put his arms around his mom he said right start and he took the 40 whips and everybody's crying and at the end his mom is free but he is absolutely lacerated but he justified the law and demonstrated his love. And when Jesus died on the cross, he put his arms around us and said, let it begin. He took your sins. He took your sorrows. He took everything you've done wrong. And when he died on the cross and the crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hand, he said, let it begin. As Debbie always says, he took my place. And he's the only one where we can go with our debt of sin. Also, he's the only one. He's the one that can, he's paid for our sicknesses. Do you believe that? He's paid for our sicknesses. No, not only did he, did he die on the cross for our sins, he also died for our sicknesses. In Isaiah chapter 53, we, many of us know these things. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we can be whole. He was whipped so we can be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path and followed our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. By his stripes, we are healed. And not only did Jesus die for our sins, he died for our healing. And I want to tell you, there's no sickness, no, 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 no medical condition that cannot bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And I know that Jesus Christ can still heal today. He stood up and told the people of come to open the eyes of the blind. And wherever you look at Jesus in the, in the, in the New Testament, he was going around healing, 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 setting free, healing. And wherever he went, the whole village would come and they were all healed. I want to say that he's paid for our sicknesses. 
If you're sick, if you know somebody that's sick. I believe the Bible says if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Now, why do some people get healed and some people don't? I just leave that to God, but I honestly believe, and my heart is this. Whenever I see somebody that needs a touch from God, let's be willing to lay hands on the sick. What happens if nothing happens? I don't know. But what happens if they're healed? The whole family, the whole street, the whole town, the whole village will come to know Jesus. Dave Thomas is at the back here. He gave an amazing testimony this morning. Uh, I know. I went to visit him a, a long time ago, pre-COVID, I think it was. He was lying on his bed. He was in absolute agony. He was on painkillers. He couldn't sleep. He'd, bro- he'd broken his hip. He'd, his femur was, was, was broken. He'd fallen as well. He'd, he'd discs, um, dislocated in his back, and he was in absolute agony. And one Friday, around three or four months ago, we're having worship. You know, who knows that what we worship, people, God heals. We had a service in Bible College of Wales, and we're singing the Revelation song, and three people were healed in the first verse. And they all stood up and said, I'm healed. One lady broke her toe, made it to pick her up on the way to the church, and she was healed right there. Nobody praying for her, just during the worship, healed, and she walked home. Another lady had an amazing, incredible miracle that even blows me away to this day. And Dave was listening to the worship, worshiping God. He felt the Spirit of God come upon him, and he just, he just worshiped God. He went to his bed. He woke up on Saturday morning completely healed. His heart healed. His hip healed. His femur healed. Completely healed. He went out, and he fixed his car, and, and he testified this morning, our God can still heal. He's paid for our healing. Amen? Third thing. He's paid for our adoption. Oh, I love this. He's paid for our adoption. When we give our lives to Christ, we are adopted into his family. It's absolutely beautiful. Sometimes, you know, uh, when somebody gets adopted into a family, who's seen those things on Facebook? When somebody's been fostered and then for a, for a gift, the family have talked together and they say, what we want to do is give this little girl a chance or little boy a chance. And for that child's birthday, they bring the adoption papers and they open up. They think they're going to get a game and they open it up and here's this frame you're now part of our family and your name is now elizabeth so-and-so as that child reads this and the tears begin to flow they realize i've been adopted into this family i'm one of their kids they love me like the other kids. It's a beautiful thing. And, you know, and the amazing thing is he gives us his name. He gives us his name. Sometimes in the Bible, people change their name. You know, yeah, you know we see Jacob change his name to Israel. He was a schemer. He was a, a guy that was always mistreating people, but he was given the name Israel. And the amazing thing when we, when we come to Christ, he adopts us into his family. We become part of his, his amazing, incredible family. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. And it's Where's all the amens, by the way? This is the word of God I'm reading here. This is you and me I'm talking about. This is what God has done. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Isn't that incredible? By bringing us to himself, to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Once we're far from God, 
but now we're adopted into his family. Once we didn't know him, we cursed him, but now we're part of his family. He's adopted us into his family. You're not who you used to be. You're part of the family of God. Amen. And it's a beautiful thing. He's paid the price for you and me to be part of his family. The fourth thing, he's paid the price. I love this. He's paid the price for our friendship. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. God always wants us to be close. That's why in the Garden of Eden, at the very, very first family with with Adam and Eve, he would come down in the nighttime and he would walk with them just like friends. With Moses, he would meet Moses in the tent of meeting and they would talk. And the Bible says they would talk as as a man would talk to his friend. They built a tabernacle, a tent of meeting. They built a tabernacle. He wanted them to build a temple. Why? He wanted them to be close to him. The Lord's desire is always to be our friend, to be close to us. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. The greatest thing that you can do is to lay down your life for your friend. This is what Jesus said before he died. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you Friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I've chosen you and appointed you that you might go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love one another. Jesus paid the price on that cross. Listen, the devil didn't kill Jesus. The devil didn't kill Jesus. Jesus laid down his life. He paid the price that he, we are no longer servants. We are friends. My life is a friendship with Jesus. Every day when I'm driving my car, I'm talking to him. When I'm, on, when I'm walking, I'm talking to him. In my house, I'm talking to him. In the toilet, I'm talking to him. He doesn't mind. He's my friend. Ever, been, ever done a FaceTime live and you realize you're in the toilet? <laughs> it's a terrible thing. You know, there's friends and there's friends, but, you know, he, he, it happened to me a couple of times. It's really, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it happens, doesn't it? He loves us the way we are. Amen. And I can say I am a friend of God. Jesus laid his life down. He paid the price, Debbie, that you can be his friend. Wow. Isn't that amazing? He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's what the Bible says. Keep going. Are you enjoying this? He paid for our joy and our peace. The Bible says because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and all its shame. He went through the cross for his joy. What was his joy? That you and me might know him. And the Lord has paid for you to have joy in your life. Now, when you think about Christians, often you don't think about joy. You think about tut, 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 tut. Some Christians, uh, you know, the joy so far down, you never see it. 
Some Christians, uh, they've never seen the joy of the Lord. Let me tell you, we should be the people with the most joy in the world. When we think what he's done for us, when we think that he's died for us, when we think that he's our friend, he's with us. You know, we should be the most joyful people on earth. That he's forgiven our sins, that he's touched our lives, that he's blessed our family, and we're going to heaven. We should have the joy of the Lord and, and peace. The Bible says, you know, he gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible says, you know, even in the most difficult place, we can find the joy of the Lord. Paul and Silas in the prison cell began to worship the Lord. The joy of the Lord came as they began to worship. The prison began to shake. The amazing thing about the joy of the Lord, it is not dependent on where you are or what situation you're in. You can have the joy of the Lord in the most difficult, most horrendous situations, in the most difficult times, the times when you're grieving, the times when you, when you don't know what's going to happen. The joy of the Lord becomes our strength. And also peace. You know, what this world is looking for right now is peace. Our neighbors, our friends, our workmates, our family, they're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. They're looking for something. Their whole lives have been shaken. But I want to say that the peace, the the most important peace you can find is from the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And many people can't sleep at night. So many people are anxious. More people now are taking antidepressants. More people now are taking tablets. More people people now are committing suicide. More people now are so, so worried about so many things. He is our peace who has broken down every wall. Tell your neighbors and your friends, you want to know peace? I'll introduce you to peace. And it's not a tablet or some sort of program or a doctor. His name is Jesus. And when he comes into your life, he brings peace. He is our peace that's broken down every wall. He gives us a peace that passes all understanding. I remember a family there in the Philippines. They were a missionary family. They were taken hostage. And for a whole year, they're taken through the, the jungles of southern Philippines uh, by the Abu Sayyaf. Um, uh, terrible, terrible. They'd seen two of their friends beheaded. And they were going through difficult times. And all the time, the army in the Philippines were, were working with these rebels and giving them money. And it was a terrible situation. And then one day, they were so downhearted, these missionaries. And they said, look, oh, what we got, what's going to happen to us? And they read from Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with joy. And they decided, whatever happens today, let's serve the Lord with gladness. A few minutes later, the, the, the troops came in and they ambushed the Abu Sayyaf. The bullets were flying and they, they, they came in and they rescued these two people. Except one problem, the man, Martin Burnham, had been bit, hit by a bullet through his head. And died immediately. She was left. She had a bullet through her leg. And, 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 and the last words that he said was this. Serve the Lord with gladness. And it really spoke to me. That no matter what situation I'm in. I can know the peace. And the joy of the Lord. Number six. I'm getting there. He's paid for our freedom. You can take our lives. But you'll never take our freedom. Who said that? It wasn't William Wallace. It was Mel Gibson. <laughs> it probably never happened, but never mind. Here you go. Uh, he, do you know that God wants you to live a free life? A life of freedom. 
He doesn't want you bound out by regrets. He doesn't want you bound up by shame. He doesn't want you to look back at your life and, and feel all guilty. He, he wants you to be free from fears, free from things that bind us, free from disappointments, free from regrets, free from guilt, free from shame. Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He's paid the price for you to be free. No longer do you need to be bound, and bound by habits and bound by the past and bound by what other people say about you. You can know true freedom only in Christ. He's paid for it. He's paid for it. In John 8, it says, Jesus said, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave doesn't abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, he who the son sets free is free indeed. If you're not free, it's your own fault. If you're not living a life of freedom, it's your fault. He wants you to be free from guilt and shame and regret and things that happened in the past. He alone can set you free. He's come to set the captives free. For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy all the works of the evil one. Charlene, you're free. No longer bound by what's happened in the past, disappointments in the past. The Lord can make you absolutely free. Amen? Number seven, getting on here. He's paid for our hope and our future. When you ask people, what's your favorite verse? Jeremiah 29, 11. All the young people. Jeremiah 29, 11. What does it say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to bless you and to prosper you, to give you hope and a future, not to harm you. And that's wonderful. And I believe that, that, that Jesus has paid the price for you to have hope. The Bible says that we are not like those with no hope. It says in Colossians 1 verse 27, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory, of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ is in you, if you're walking with God, you have hope in your heart. You have hope in your life. Especially when people die. The Bible says we're not like those who have no hope. We have hope that is steadfast and certain. You know, one of the things that we need in life is hope. When people lose hope, when you see somebody that's, that's drowning and they lose hope, they sink. When you lose hope, things change. But we're not like those without hope. If we have Christ in our hearts and lives, we have hope. Amen? Do you have hope this afternoon? Hope that God is with you? Hope that the moment that you spend your last breath here, you spend your first breath in heaven. He is a God who wants to give us hope and a future. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come to give you life. And life to the full. That's what the enemy wants, to steal, kill, destroy. But I'm here to tell you today that only knowing Jesus, he's paid the price for you to have life and life to the full. New Living Translation says this, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. (laughs) Who wants that? Rich and satisfying life. We find it because he's paid the price for us of a hope and a future. Ah, man, almost there. Number eight, two to go. He's paid for our rescue. Hallelujah. How many rescued people are here today? How many people were, were struggling? How many people couldn't make it? And they looked up and they saw Jesus. And they reached out to him. And he rescued me. He rescued my life. He, he took my hand. 
and he rescued me. When you're rescued, you're just so full of joy. You know, who can remember those Chilean miners? Remember they're down there for what, three weeks or four weeks? And the first one that came up, he was jumping and dancing because they thought they had no future, no hope. They were so far down. And, 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 and finally they got there and they brought them up and they were released. And the first thing they did was get down their knees and give glory to God. Because every one of them had given their lives to Christ. Even in the midst of a, a terrible situation, they knew the only person who could rescue them was the Lord. <clears throat> I want to show you a picture here. Oh, man, even look at this picture. It makes me so sad. In 2008, I, I was taking these Filipinos to, uh, around the UK and five, five pastors and me. And we went to Fraserburgh my hometown, and I was going down the fish market because I used to be a fish salesman. And I was taking them down to the fish market, and I just heard this scream. We're walking towards the fish market. And then somebody says, he's gone in, he's gone in, he's gone in. This was a guy, Ross Middleton, 22 years old, a few weeks married. And he was a fish salesman, and he'd taken his Audi car, and he forgot something in the office. He's going to go back to the office and pick it up. His car was beside the, the, the pier, and instead of going to the first gear, he was a mad driver, 22-year-old Fraserburgh guy. He was a mad driver. Instead of going to the first, he went into reverse. And when he went forward, whoa, his car went back right into the water. And immediately, within a few minutes, we're all there. We're all there. The tide is so low. And the policeman was there. And he says, right, let's phone the, phone the fire brigade. And there's about 100 men there. I looked around. Some of my friends were top swimmers, top athletes. 100 of us standing there around this car. And I'm just thinking, why don't I just jump in? The police said, nobody jump in. If anybody jumps in, they'll be arrested. We have procedures to go through. I thought, Procedures? Nobody jumped in. And I'm just praying for this guy. And the, the water's only eight foot deep. And nobody jumped in. And here is a car coming out of the water. They went down. Half an hour later, when the procedures were okay, and they found him halfway out the window. A few weeks married. And he died. Every time I go to that harbor, that spot, I say, why didn't I jump in? Why didn't we jump in? Why didn't we just get a rope and put it in the car? Hundreds of us could have pulled up. Why didn't we do anything? Why did fear grip us? Why didn't I jump in? Why didn't we do something? That young man lost his life because we were so scared of what the policeman said. And every time I thought, why didn't we try and rescue him? Oh. Even now, just thinking about that upsets me. But the amazing thing is, Jesus saw us in our mess. He saw we were drowning. He saw we had no hope. He saw we're making a mess of our lives. He saw that there was no way to salvation. He saw that we're far from God. And he left heaven to come to earth, to die on a cross, that you and me might be rescued. He rescued you. He rescued me. And my last point is this, that because of that, he's paid for our eternity. No longer are we walking the wrong way. Now we're walking towards him. And because we put our trust in him, he said to that thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
And because of Jesus, we can know salvation. Not only that here, eternity starts now when you give your life to Jesus Christ. But we know I've got family, moms and dads, not moms and dads, but grannies and grandfathers up there in heaven who love the Lord. And I know, and I know, and I know that one day I'll be with the Lord forever. One day I'll be in heaven. No more pain, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more death. Why? Because he paid the price for you and me that we might have our home in heaven. It says in John 14, do, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it wasn't so, I'd have, I, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you will be where I am. You know the way or the place I'm going. And, and Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we get there? And he said this, and we all know the words. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. He's paid it all. He's paid it all. He's paid it all.